When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I give you a hundred million and you buy a 27-year-old. Give me my money back. I'm never going to go shame with you again. No, 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 no. Basically, if you give me a hundred million, I'm saying, you know what? I'm actually pocketing it to myself and I'm putting it to an offshore account. Hello everybody, this is the Talking Tactics Podcast. I am Daniel Look, I'm Hap Bo. I'm Carl Anker. Hello. <laughs> welcome to you, sir. Welcome, welcome. What's up, Carl? We got some backup this week. To be honest, I'm not feeling that good. My throat isn't, you know, the greatest right now. So having some backup, having uh, another member should do us some good. Mm. Uh, if you don't follow us on Twitter already, follow us at Talking Tactics. Instagram, Talking Tactics. Facebook, Talking Tactics, you get the gist. Let's start with the Champions League draw. Did you guys watch it? Or did, or, no, actually, no, I was planning to watch it, but then I then took a rather elongated nap. So I've, uh, I think... <laughs> look, look, let's just say Arsenal are out, man. Arsenal should start planning for the Premier League. Yeah, they're out. So, I don't think they're out. Oh, so, so you think Arsenal can beat Bayern Munich? You honestly believe Arsenal can defeat Bayern right, with right. two legs? Right, listen to, listen to the sound of my voice. Listen to the cadence. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think of the last five years where Arsenal have played Bayern Munich, now is the best year for Arsenal to play Bayern Munich. Why so? Why so? Please tell me why. I think particularly downward curve recently. Wait, I think... Wait, last I checked, I believe Bayern are first in the Bundesliga. Last I checked, I think. Bayern are always going to be first in the Bundesliga. I don't think Bayern's place in the Bundesliga is a good metric of how good they're doing. I think the personnel that performed well for Bayern in recent times are getting older. And I think the new personnel they've brought in to replace them aren't performing the levels they should do. And I think the selection Sanchez swirling counter-attack version of Arsenal is... If Arsenal are ever going to be Bayern, it's going to be now. But at the same time, Bayern will probably win. No, for me, I just... I, just, I mean, I just, for me, I don't understand that logic. Based, I mean, I respect where you're coming from, but you're showing a great disrespect to Lewandowski, a great disrespect to a great disrespect to the young boys, Renato Sanchez, to what these guys can do. And at the end of the day, Arsenal aren't facing the quality of Bayern every week in the Premier League. There is nobody of the individual quality that Bayern have that is in the, in the Premier League. So you can't even use what Arsenal have been doing in the Premier League to what, how do we, do we be facing against Bayern Munich? And for Bayern Munich, even if they play badly, that's the issue. Even if they play badly, they have so many individual killers in their squad that they will execute when it comes time to execute. I don't know. I, I, I rebuke that. I don't think 
<laughs> I don't think Bayern has the executors or killers they, they previously have. And I think those executors and killers have been uh, slightly dulled by four or five seasons of being at the top. Daniel, can you please remind me, what was the scoreline in Bayern's last game? I believe it was 5-0. So, okay, oh. let's take your metric of Arsenal don't face a team of Bayern's quality week in, week out, so therefore Arsenal aren't ready for Bayern. Bayern don't face a team of Arsenal's quality week in, week out. So how are they ready for a team of Arsenal's quality? Um, for me, I do not believe that Arsenal are that much better than, let's say, a Leverkusen or even Hertha Berlin. You take Alexis Sanchez out of Arsenal, they, they have nothing. That's it. Take That's Alexis Sanchez out of Arsenal, there's nothing to, to the team. Take out Ribery, you've got Robin. Take out Robin, you've still got, um, um, what, what's it called, that Brazilian guy, um, Douglas Costa. You know, you take out those costs, you still have Lewandowski. You take out him, you still have Renato Sanchez. You take out Alexis Sanchez. Who do you have? Giroud? Olivier Giroud? Giroud's a very good striker. Wow, okay. Giroud is a very good tier two striker. Tier three, rather, but there you go. Tier two, tier two. Isn't the real question here, guys? How does Arsenal keep drawing Bayern Munich? It's a conspiracy, maybe. maybe, maybe the- <laughs> it's happening <laughs> very... <laughs> Five times. I think it's four times in a row. But the only time in the last five years that it hasn't happened was because it wasn't possible. So what is it? Is it the hot ball, cold ball? We're going to swirl it around, but not really swirl it around. I think it's going a bit too far saying that it's somehow... Because again, it's like, okay, why would somebody conspire for Arsenal to face Bayern? Like, why that's... um, Chelsea kept in PSG for like three years in a row before... Yeah, yeah, that's it. Before PSG, they'd always get AC Milan... I think they want, like, inbuilt rivalries. So if you can keep getting Bayern versus Arsenal, people are more likely to watch. Well, if, if the general footballing populace believes Arsenal v Bayern is a formality, why would you keep watching? Do they? From, uh, from Big H's talk, apparently this is just a formality. So why would you tune in to watch? No, Arsenal can beat Bayern. They can beat them. But anybody who's looking at that game thinking that it could swing in the way, you're having a laugh. <laughs> I mean, you're having a laugh. You're thinking, oh, it could be Arsenal or Bayern. This could be a really close game. Come on, you're having a laugh. Bayern are the clear, overwhelming favourites in that game. Arsenal can beat them, and Arsenal have a tactic to beat them. But without Alexis Sanchez, Arsenal shouldn't even bother turning up for the game. They should just ask for a buy. You're very disrespectful to Mesut Ozil. <laughs> oh, so Mesut Ozil can now act as a striker and score goals. Come on, man. The guy, he's a playmaker. I think what we're going to see here, we're going to see another noble defeat at the Alliance. I want to see an Emirates victory. Do you guys think it's an advantage to play at home first or last, considering the, the away goal rule? To be honest, how I think it's always worked for people is play at home in the second leg. Because what you want is that you have an idea of like, whatever happens in this first leg, we can always bring it back home. So mm. even if so, the tactic is like let's just try and get a goal. Okay, we, we go down two one, three one. Okay, let's just get that away goal. But whatever happens, we know that we are still in the game and we can still rely on our home ground. Personally, for me, I've always thought that play the home leg first, go for the away leg second. So try and sort out the home leg first and say you know what, let's just get those away goals for the second leg and let's see what will happen. But I think that teams are so confident on on their home ground that most teams and most managers will say, let's take the home leg for the second leg because we're mm. so confident about what we can do. And for, for Bayern, they would be like, you know what, look, my Allianz Arena, anybody can come in here, we will beat anybody here. So whatever happens in our first leg, we know that we can put three, four, five at the Allianz Arena. So I think you want to play your home leg second. 
I mean, at the, the very amateur level of sport I play at every single week, I know my team performs a lot better at home than we do away from home. And I think going into your second leg, knowing exactly what you need to do at all times is very, very helpful. And therefore, I think playing at home for the second leg is the advantage. All away goals count for 1.1 goals. And I think it's that 0.1 and the questioning that can often cause the great upsets. I've seen quite a few recent debates about how uh, we should get rid of the away goal rule. Hell no! (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. What what the hell came up with that crap? That's like, that's seriously, along with the television and the internet, that's one of the greatest human inventions, the away goal rule. So... No. Pause, 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 pause. Greatest human inventions are yes. te- television and the internet. There are about five, six amazing inventions, but off the top of my head, I think internet, I think, I don't know, bloody the, 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 the car, I think, you know, the rubber ice cube holder. You know those rubber ice cube holders? Yeah, yeah. That's an amazing invention. So, but I just say that the away go rule is among the top 10 greatest inventions of all time. Uh, you, know, you know what's also very interesting in this Champions League draw? Mm. We've got uh, Real Madrid... Napoli? Is that, is that one of the ties? Yes. That tie more or less invented the UEFA Champions League. Uh, allegedly, as the story goes, in 1987, Berlusconi watched Real Madrid versus Napoli in the second round of the old European Cup. He questioned why this glamour tie was being offered up so early. And then he talked to some very interesting people and they managed to form the UEFA Champions League as a result. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. Carl, mm. de- define interesting people. Um, some very, very rich people who wear very, okay. very good suits and have very, very good briefcases. Mm. Okay. All right. So back to, uh, back to this point. I would rather play home first and away second. And the reason being, suppose it goes into extra time. You get 30 extra minutes to score a goal that counts as two. And I'd rather have that in, in my back pocket than... That's a big if, though. Is That's it? A, it's a big if. <laughs> How many Champions League ties have you watched that have gone to extra time where the away yeah. goal has scored? Not that many. No, see, I, would, I, I like the option, though. Chelsea PSG, where it finished 3-3 or 2-2 on aggregate, and David Luiz and Thiago Silva scored goals in extra time. No, it wasn't extra time. It was It was totally week. extra time because Hazard, yeah, Hazard scored a penalty. Yeah, it was extra time. That yeah, was yeah. in extra time, and then Luiz scored a goal that was in extra time. Yeah. So I was watching, and I was like, you know what? If this game was at... Uh, the Park the Prince, Chelsea would have gone through. That that game kind of tilted my thinking because at first I was like, you know, you'd rather play at home. You know the result you need to get. But uh, I don't know. That game kind of threw my calculus on if I'd rather mm-hmm. play home or away first. It's really based on how confident you are on your home ground. Not every team is amazing on your home ground. But if you're like a Barcelona, well, Barcelona, I don't know. But if you're like really a Bayern Munich, or a Real Madrid, you are confident that you can beat anybody on your home ground. So you would know that in whatever situation you're in, even in the extra time, you know that your defense can hold up and you can create those goals and you can dominate a match. Because remember, this is a pitch that you play in for the majority of times a season. And knowing the, di- the dynamics of a pitch is a huge psychological advantage <laughs> to have. So that's the whole thing of, of the home thing, is that psychological thing of knowing the picture on and how the, the spacing works on that pitch, which is which an away team just doesn't know as well as you. So mm. it is a huge advantage having that home thing. So keep raising this point of if you're a Barcelona, if you're a Chelsea, if you're a Real Madrid, it's advantageous. 
Whereas in actuality, the away goal wasn't built for these teams. It was built for your your Gents, your FC Kludges. It's for it's built for the for the smaller teams to when you go away, you're given an incentive to score. That's why the away goal is very, very interesting. Which is why I, I was so pissed off that they took away the golden goal. Because the golden goal always keeps you on your toes. Same thing with the away goal rule was like everybody's is keeping you on your toes. A goal can swing the game either way. So and it's almost it means that the home team has the advantage of playing at home and the away team has their own advantage of having to play away, but you still have the advantage of the away goal rule. So both teams have their own specific advantage. And it means that, and it encourages people to try and be attacking and score. Because what you don't want, a guy just say, oh, let's just keep it here 1-1. But you know that if you're the home team and you're just trying to keep it 1-1, that one goal that you concede, once take it to extra time, it means that you're, you're going out. So... I love I love the away goal rule, but I fully expect it to not be a rule by the end of the decade. By within ten years, I imagine the away goals will be wiped out oh, by, very, 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 by very annoying people in football. Um, it'd be a sad day, but I expect it will happen within the next ten years. I'm trying to look at the other matches, and other than PSG Barcelona, they don't really stand out as those like really oh my like oh my goodness. But I I could see maybe. Benfica Dortmund is, I think, will be a pretty good match. Or Monaco knock out Manchester City. Nah, no, no, that's good. Now City Monaco, nah, like Monaco are just like a solid team. They're not really an entertaining team. So, oh, fifty-three goals, fifty-three goals scored so far. Yeah, but but, uh, but, how, but how are those goals scored? <laughs> fifty-three goals scored so far against what I don't know what Pep Guardiola is going to try and do with that defense. That defense is atrocious right now. I think if Monaco can make Manchester uh, Tottenham Hotspur look very, very amateur, I think they'd have no problem making matches of seeds. Oh, well, that is Tottenham playing at Wembley. So remember, that's, that's, very, that's a whole different proposition. And Tottenham, again, Lulu, look at what they're doing these days. You know, they're not really playing that well. But I just think that, you know, like, look, Monaco are not a team you would think of. Like, oh, this is a very entertaining, attacking, flamboyant team. Nah, you know, they're a good team. But they're not a flamboyant, entertaining team. So. Hey, they put they put Arsenal to bed, so I think you un- under underestimate Monaco at your peril. Yeah, but that's Arsenal. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Arsenal like a, a major European heavyweight. No, so are Manchester City a major European heavyweight? I mean, but yeah. let's let's just run through these and let's get our first impressions. So, City Monaco. Who do you guys have? City Monaco. Oh wow! Okay. I have City, so <laughs> hey, this is weird. Though. We have three people, so uh, there will be a winner. Uh, Madrid, Napoli, Madrid for, for, for formality. Madrid, yeah, that's that's done, done. All right. yeah, yeah. Uh, Benfica, Dortmund, Dortmund, but only just probably through extra time. I think Dortmund's going to win the whole tournament. So Dortmund, wow. uh, I, I think Dortmund to win the Champions League before the season started. So. I'm gonna I'm gonna stand for them every single time. I've I've Dortmund in that time as well. Bayern Arsenal. Formal it's formality Bayern. Entertaining game is probably the most entertaining over two legs, but I say Bayern for formality. Hmm. How can it be entertaining if it's a formality? No no no. It will still be entertaining, but Arsenal they'll be having chances, but you would always know Bayern will always be in control of the game. So it would be like, yeah. It's entertaining to watch. It's fun, but you will always know in the back of your mind that you're banned and winning this. You know. Okay. I'm going to go for Arsenal. Arsenal. I, I would say it's 
it could be entertaining and a formality the same way like Tyson in the 80s. Like it was, it was a formality he was going to knock someone out, but it was still insane to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, Bayern Munich as well is what I'm going to go for. Porto, Juventus. I have Juventus. Yeah, you Juventus. Guys have. Yeah, um, I have Juventus in that one. Leverkusen, Madrid. I'm assuming we're all going Madrid. Uh, or at yeah. Atleti. Um, oh. I'm going to go for Leverkusen in this one. Hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean, no, no, Leverkusen are a good team, but they don't have the pedigree to be able to beat Atletico over two legs. You know. Whereas, well, I think these are two teams that have very pronounced systems. And I think in, in this matchup, I think Atletico are due to get found out. I think they only scraped past PSV last time. Don't I we think, think about that about uh, Atletico Madrid every year? And it just seems like they just somehow plod along to the semi? Possibly. Just like, like so, oh, this, or like, like, this is the year that Simeone's 4-4-2 is going to crack some offensive team, whether it be Barcelona, uh, Bayern, you, you say Leverkusen. Somebody's going to figure out how to get around them. And their, their game is just built for cup football. Yeah, but also if you both, as the third man, I feel as if I have to be a contrarian. So I'm going to <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I don't know if I can battle two contrarians. Um, PSG, Barcelona. Barcelona. See ya. Nah, no, look, man, PSG this season, nah, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not feeling them at all this season. Do Barcelona have a player that's in the form of Cavani? Cavani, right. Okay. Oh, give me a break. Cavani? You set me off. So Cavani is incredible at chance creation. Top four strikers in the world at getting into the right position in the penalty area. He is very, very average at putting those chances away. That's kind to say very, very average. He's he's shocking. (laughs) No, no, no. no. He is allergic. To scoring goals, just just say it. He's allergic to scoring goals. He's not. He's not. Uh, like it, it. Cavani is a fascinating person because he's not. He's not rubbish, and he's not phenomenal. He's phenomenal at getting in the right spots, and he's merely okay at putting them away, which makes him an intensely frustrating character. Intensely frustrating because he can. He should be getting a brace a game, and he's more or less getting a goal a game, which is still very very good, but. Etc. Etc. Um, needless to say, I still think Barcelona should win this game, providing Iniesta is fit. Double H, you have Barcelona easily. Oh no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean PSG. I see them causing them very little issues. I mean, how PSG playing Barcelona will will very easily handle them. I'll probably see maybe two two in 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 PSG, and they'll lubricate them at the new camp. <laughs> see. I- I'm trying to find an excuse to say PSG, but I can't, which is frustrating. So Barcelona as well. Um, and probably the disapp- my, my disappointment was, was this tie. It was Sevilla-Leicester. Because personally, Leicester aren't going to beat Sevilla objectively, nope. right? Nope. So if Wait. you aren't going to beat the team, I'd rather them play Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, whomever. That way, like, the story has a good ending in, in yeah. a way. Yeah. So, like, if, if you're Jamie Vardy and you're playing non-league football in, what was it, 2011, 2012, Sevilla is not the great way to go out. I'd rather, like, at least take me to the new Camp, take me to the Bernabeu, take me to the Allianz. At least let me go to a big team 
You think Leicester can't be severe? No, man, no. Nah. <laughs> let me let me, no. let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that question again. You think Leicester can't beat a team that prides himself on pressing possession football with a very mercurial creative centre? If you've seen how first of all, Sevilla have one of the best records at home. There is. That's the first thing. Second thing is that the way in which Sevilla play, how quickly they move the ball. Slow defenders like Morgan and Huth, they're gonna struggle. So Sevilla, they just have the players and the system to cause Leicester a lot of issues and a lot of problems. So Leicester, yeah, they'll they'll have some chances, but Sevilla are just built to beat Leicester very, very handily. And I, you know, it's just not happening, man. Leicester can't beat Sevilla, man. Over two legs, it's not happening. Ah, uh, I'm I write them off at their peril. I really think Leicester are going to go to the quarterfinals. I think that long ball whoosh, over to the top to Mares, Mares to Vardy, that barnstorming uh, freakum counter-attack style and the way that the centre-backs more or less grapple people at set pieces, I think, why not? Why not? Why can't they be severe? Why can't Leicester beat anyone in the Champions League is my... Is my uh... Oh, no, no. Oh, oh, come on. I mean, mate, come on. <laughs> See, now that is a huge leap to seek. Leicester and beating Real Madrid. Leicester... Why not? Because Leicester are what, 15th, 14th in the, in the Premier League? <laughs> okay, yes, they, they beat Man City without Aguero and Fernandinho. So you expect them to beat a team like Real Madrid, who are still unbeaten. You expect them to not concede five or six Gs against Messi, the Cannibal, and Neymar? Come on. There are like, just things that just realistically can't happen. Leicester won the Premier League. You can't talk about realism and anything to do with Leicester after they won the Premier League. Okay? So, I think- so Barcelona and so so we have the caliber of Barcelona and Barnick in the Premier League. No, we don't. So come on. What does that, that? What does that mean? What does that mean regarding Leicester? You guys know who was in Leicester's group? They had Porto. All right, albeit uh, it was a very favorable Portuguese side. So Bruges and, I think, and Copenhagen. I think... They haven't played anyone of note. Nope. To no date. <laughs> That's my kind of sad thing, is that you have this magical fairy tale story. And you're and and you're kind of expecting to get Barcelona, Real Madrid, and then you get Copenhagen. It just seems anticlimactic. Uh, nothing is anticlimactic after you win the Premier League after being five thousand to one. Getting relegated is kind of anticlimactic. What, Playing so what? Copenhagen what? is kind of anticlimactic. Look, look, they're unbeaten at home. They absolutely wellied some teams. Why not? They're all having fun. Those Leicester boys don't have to do anything. In fact, if I was a Leicester player right now, I'd tell everyone in Leicester to build a statue of me outside the stadium after what I did last season. And they don't, they don't, no one else no has to do anything this year, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I mean, it, it, it wouldn't be that great a story if they get relegated. You know, that's, that wouldn't be that great. Tonight. Look, nothing can take... No, 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 no. Double H, I have to push you on that one. If they win the league one year and get relegated the next, as, as a story... That's fascinating. It's rude. It's disrespectful. But that's a fascinating story if you win the league and get relegated. Yeah, he's got you there. Maybe for need for us, for Leicester fans, that, that integrates story. For Leicester fans. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, all Leicester fans come the end of last season in some small, weird way. No, 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 no. I mean, no. I'm a hard proponent of the... Half of the reason why 2016 is bad is because Leicester took up like 70% of the joy. Mm, well, <laughs> no, I'm not, I mean, no, look, no, guys, I mean, I don't think to be honest with that. I mean, 
to Dan to 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 Danny T's point, I do get what you're saying is that if it's you know when when people say that like if you want to go out, go out in a blade of glory. I mean what what was Kurt Cobain said that it's better to burn out than to fade away. If you're gonna go out, go out against Barcelona, go to the New Camp, go to the Bernabeu, go to the Allianz Arena. Sevilla are a good team, but they're not a marquee name. They're not sexy enough. I think none of you people have been to Sevilla, and I think all the Leicester fans are going to go there are going to have a fantastic Wednesday, maybe Tuesday night out. Imagine the film of this, this Carl. Of what? Look, the film no, now. Sevilla are in Barcelona. They're in Carl, Carl, and... Carl, Carl. This film, if it ended with uh, them losing to Madrid or Barcelona, cool. The but that you, losing. I don't understand you, that. Like, you about would this. have to explain who Sevilla are. The film ends with them the night before the Everton game getting so drunk and then still winning for, and then it goes it, like it ends with them being really, really drunk. Then it cuts to them being in a tunnel against Everton, and then it fades white, black background, white text. Leicester City won the league and they beat Everton like four 0 How drunk were they in that final game? They were hammered and they still won. Like the film ended. I'm pretty, like, sure Chelsea, I'm, I'm pretty sure Chelsea away was their last game. Was it that last game? I think that... Didn't they absolutely... Yeah. Well, their last yeah. home game was at Everton. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so... Like, yeah. Like, that's... In fact, the film can end last weekend when they beat Manchester City again. <laughs> Good segue. Uh, what was the score? 4-2? 4-2. Frodiola, Frodiola, Frodiola. Don't say that, <laughs> Look, I'm just throwing it out there, man. Like, I, I, I don't believe it. It's just... I'm just getting this from the ether, man. I'm just getting this from the ether. You know, people actually think part uh, Pepper's a fraud. Of course. I mean, no, it's it's going too far. That's not that it's going too far. I, City is going to bounce back. This ain't over. The title race ain't over. Like City has, I'm coming back in the title race. See, no, what? no, 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 no. Wait, who's that? They're not coming back in the title race. This is Carl Anker saying the title race is Arsenal versus Chelsea. Well, this is half Jeremiah Pope saying that Arsenal are not going to last the distance in the title race with Chelsea. City are going to come back into it. Because Chelsea are due on another rough patch. Arsenal, as we well know, are the perennial bottlers. City are going to remember, they're getting Gabriel Jesus in January, which will be key. Spurs, Spurs no, are the not, perennial bottlers. That's not the problem. That is nowhere near the problem for City. Oh, no, of course, the, the defensively. Hence why I said, look, man, Pep, the, the key thing is how Pep reacts to this. Because... This was Pep's real homecoming to the Premier League. It wasn't the loss to Chelsea. It wasn't the loss to Tottenham. This was his homecoming. This was his true wake-up call that, yeah, Pep, it has just gotten real. So it's how he reacts. Because what has me a bit nervous is, in his press conferences, it's as if he's, he doesn't really understand the gravity of his defensive situation. He's allowing his arrogance to cloud him being humble enough to say, yeah, man, I got it wrong defensively. That like, yeah, John Stones needs to learn how to defend. Like, for, forget about trying to play with the ball. Mate, you're, you're young, you're not Popolucci, you're not Hummels. Learn how to defend before you now start trying to be silky and cool on the ball. Just start out with the very basics of defending. The, you know, yes. City are coming back in the title. I mean, Carl, I, I, I don't know what, what you're smoking by saying City are, are out of the title race. Seven points can easily be... Wait, wait a minute. Arsenal were like seven points clear around this time of the season. I think last season, and and that just got cleaned out. So before that, no. So seven points is nothing at this stage of the season. It's not. I I think Pep is too ideologically rigid to do what needs to be done. 
the way he plays requires players to be of such a unique type that basically Pep's problem is he overloads his players with such so much information and so much necessity to use his system properly that if a player short circuits, which is very common, it very often leads to a 1v1 or 1v2 overlap for the opposition. You saw this happen with Bayern very frequently in the Champions League. And you saw this, you're seeing this happen a lot more with City. So Pep's problem is it requires very, very intelligent fullbacks. And fullbacks is the one area where Manchester City has not replenished in a long time. Sangir isn't good enough. Kolarov isn't good enough. Clichy isn't good enough. Zabaleti used to be good enough, but he's getting a bit old. So Pep's problems now are he can either go to a flat back four and hope like his attack can sort itself out. He can essentially compromise his principles, which is something we know he's not particularly likely to do, and start playing a lot longer. I think this is possibly more likely. Or he can keep doing this and we'll see what happens. And I think of all the options, none of them really seem like the options of title winners. A few weeks ago, everybody was like, oh my gosh, Guardiola, he's proving himself. City were amazing. Their, their football was off the chain. They were, they were outplaying guys off the pitch and everything. And that guy's like, oh, he's not a fraud. For me, I just didn't know, look. I told you about that, man. He's what? not a fraud. Pep is not a fraud. Pep, Pep is a manager just like everyone else. He has a flaw. He has a system. And his system has a flaw. And I think the flaws to his system are particularly more pronounced because he's playing in a league that likes to exploit that particular flaw. The argument behind Pep being a fraud isn't necessarily what happened at Leicester. It's the fact that you had Barcelona, probably the greatest team in the past 20 years, arguably. Um, you, you could say Jose's Inter. You could say Heinkes is Bayern. But Pep's Barcelona are... And, and Messi, especially. Right, 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 right. They are the consensus. Like, what was the best team in the past 20 years? People are going to go back to Pep's Barcelona. Then you put him in uh, Bayern Munich after they won a treble. And you basically give him Robin, Ribery, Muller, uh, Lewandowski joined. And it's almost as if he's never been tested. So now that he's been tested, everyone that hasn't, everyone that doesn't vibe with Pep now has an excuse. Like, look, now he's, he's actually going to go to the Premier League where every game is a challenge, this, that, and the third. And it's not fair because he, his record is what his record is. So you can't take away his trophies. You can't take away what he's accomplished in the game. But in the same breath, there is a slight hesitance for me to say that uh, what we're seeing wouldn't have happened had he not had the resources in other clubs and, and even the competition that was around in other clubs. So part of me is like the fraudulent thing. I can see it, but I just don't – I just can't, I, I can't bring myself to go there. Well, no, no, for me, I think like – I get where people are coming from by saying that because, like, I, I, and I've said this before, and people insult me for this. I said, um, Barcelona, you had Lionel Messi, arguably one of the, no, the best club player of all time. Bayern Munich, you took over that team after they just won a treble. So, one of the best squads, player for, for player ever. So, now you're in a city where, yeah, you've got the money, but they're nowhere near as complete or have the kind of players that Bayern and Barcelona had. So, th- so you, you could get away with, having every man, woman, and child in the opposition half and having two, two defenders standing on the halfway line. But you can't get away with that in the Premier League in City because you don't have the players that you had at Bayern and Barcelona. 
So my thing is that for so maybe people are saying, look, my this your tactic that worked when you had a super team ain't gonna work if a team isn't a such a super team. And Aguero is missing the game against Arsenal and Fernandinho as well. And Arsenal are built to cause City issues. So I don't know when it's gonna get better because Arsenal that's gonna be tricky with no Aguero or Fernandinho, man. I think the main problem about Pep and the main problem about Pep's fraud thing is not Pep. I think it was the acolytes. Mm, yeah. So yeah. Pep Guardiola is an incredibly intelligent football coach. He's possibly one of the top fifteen of all time. Well, I think I think we can all agree here. Um, not not, not, not too sure about that, but carry on. Fine. Okay. He's he's probably one. He's probably one of the best football coaches. Top fifteen. Nets is widen that out. Fine. <laughs> Okay, but he played a very, very pronounced form of football, which was very, very... It required a certain amount of... Uh, you had to enjoy it. And if you didn't enjoy the football... you So I, I particularly didn't like Pep's Barcelona. I didn't enjoy watching them. I found it very, very boring. I found the Spanish team that won the World Cup in 2010 very, very boring. I know... Extremely so, boring. I think what's very interesting was that Pep railed against the term tiki-taka. So him himself said, no, that word does a disservice to actually what I'm trying to do. So what happened was, essentially, what you got was he was playing a very certain type of football that only one in three people really, really enjoyed watching. But that one in three people that really enjoyed watching it, they really enjoyed watching it. And then when you said, I don't particularly like Barcelona, they turn and go, oh, you don't understand football. You don't understand how intelligent this game of football is. You probably enjoy 4-3 thrillers and 40-yard things because you're a stupid troglodyte. And my response is, I'm not stupid because I enjoy a game with loads of goals. I'm not stupid because I enjoy a Tony Yaboa volley rather than a goal that has to be fast-forwarded before the damn ball goes into the net. Actually, real quick, Ankwe, are you Ghanaian? Of course I am. <laughs> okay, so then it was because when he mentioned Tony Yeboa, and Danny, me and Danny were trying to think that I didn't see Ghanaian, but as soon as you said Yeboa, I said, obviously this guy's from Ghana. There you go. I thought they did the same thing too when he said Yeboa. I was like, yeah, he's... he's man, you, you, you Ghanaians are now outnumbering us Nigerians, man. Seriously, you guys are we're everywhere. We're making moves. We're always here. Yeah. Uh, the point I'm making is that Pep has... Pep, the Pep style of football... Was, ve- was put on a pedestal, not by himself, but by loads of people. But I don't particularly Airhead, like Airheads, airheads. For, I mean, basically fools. You could, you guess, the past, they, they stole that 2010 World Cup with that crap. So when a Pep team loses, I'm not laughing at Pep. I'm laughing at the people that said I was stupid for disliking Pep, mm. if that makes sense. Pep can do whatever he wants. I don't care. Yes, he's making the game better. Yes, blah, 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 blah. But when his team lost against Bayern... One of the best days of my life. Honestly, one of the best days of my life. One of the best things I ever, ever had in the pub, laughing at him. When Chelsea won that Champions League, oh, beautiful, beautiful. Have you, have you lost Carl? Carl, over <laughs> and out, are you there? Are you there, Carl? Are you there? Over and out, Houston calling Carl. <laughs> Carl has disappeared. Hey, uh... Carl, yeah. if, if you're there, uh, or we can't hear you if you can hear us. So you could probably leave and come uh, back. If, if you're there, well, we're coming to save you, man. We're coming. We're coming. 
No, 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 but no, he didn't make a good point about that whole pep thing. But what I would I was gonna say is that that tic tac toe isn't what City are doing right now, actually. Let's let's talk tactics since this is talking tactics. Pep has actually sort of scaled back on that extremely obs- obsessive pass, 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 pass thing that he had before. So now it's still there, but it's a lot quicker now and it's a lot more direct and fast, especially with a player like the Bruyne. But the thing is, Pep doesn't do defense. Literally, he doesn't do defense. No, 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 no. Has he ever managed a defensive side? Like, yeah, there no. No. He just doesn't do defense. So the thing is that, and the Premier League is the one league in where these guys do. So we see Bundesliga and La Liga, the quality of football is better. It's much more tech, tech technical. Premier League, it's streets. <laughs> okay, it's long ball, direct, run and chase. Get rid, <laughs> you know. So guys like West Brom, Christopher, all of these thugs will be like, wait a minute, let's just do Roots 1. <laughs> yes, this, 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 this dude, let's just do bloody Roots 1. Who fits, run to it, and will cause these guys issues. If Pep isn't going to change. Long ball, man. It's why I'm, I was kind of mad that I think they played Stoke in the first two weeks or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, had, they had Stoke away. And I was like, I wish Stoke away, firstly, was still Stoke away. Yeah. And, it's, and, you, and you can't play them in August. Like, no, it just no, doesn't no. seem right. Like, no, no, no. But, but, but Daniel, this was their Stoke away. This game was their Stoke City away. I mean, there wasn't Rory DeLapp and Danny Higginbotham. And... I mean, I know, but the look at the weather conditions. It was rainy. It was windy. And... The but the but there weren't long throws from the halfway line that somehow well, it was still long hit ball. the penalty spot. Still very long ball, very direct British English football ball. So it was similar to a Stoke City uh, of how a Stoke City away would would be. Mm. So do we have Carl back? I am back. Sorry. Man. Hey. <laughs> what happened? You just... I have no idea. I guess the, the force of my pep hop take caused my computer to break mm. down. Yeah, man, Pep's force was taking you down, man. I thought, I thought a tiki taka kind of assassinated. I got wait, wait, I, 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 wait, speaking of force, who's who's looking forward to Star Wars Rogue One later this week? Anybody? I've bought tickets to watch it at midnight, so I'm going to watch it at midnight tomorrow. So I'm very happy. Danny? <laughs> wait, wait, you might not. Are you watching Star Wars Rogue One, yes or no? I haven't. <laughs> I don't watch Star Wars, man. Um, lastly, <laughs> I, I, I love you. Lastly, I'll raise my hand. I hate Star Wars. I watched Star Wars Force Awakens, one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. And no, I will not be watching Star Wars Rogue One because I hate this new version of Star Wars. Let's carry on. Nice little side track there. I, no, I, I was watching something on, on TV. Apparently, Star Wars people think it's good. So, I, w- okay. I wouldn't. I, I would dissuade anybody who likes Star Wars. I think. I think I've seen all the movies, but I've never seen them in order. You got to do the machete version. So what you do is you watch episode four, five, then you go watch two and three, then you watch six, then you watch seven. Hey, why would you do four, five, then whoa, three? Whoa, then... Whoa. Is, there, is there no one? Have they not made one? We don't talk about one. No, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, no. Your one is Phantom Switch to Mid. After no, you watch four, five, six, and you stop. That's it. <laughs> Those what? Are the only Whoa! Star Wars one was so bad. People don't talk about it. It's not great. 
It's not great. I've seen the one with Samuel L. Jackson in it, where he gets his arm yeah. taken off and then dashed that's off a three. building. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> three. Uh, I, no, see, I, I was expecting him to die anyway, just because uh, he's only black dude in space. Whoa, man, you, you'd have to take it. <laughs> at least he had a purple lightsaber, man. Come on, at least, and he, at least he survived three more movies. If, if this was back in the day, he would have been killed in the first frame of the first film. So he survived three films. And had a purple light lightsaber. Whatever. Uh, I don't want to get into Star Wars discussion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, next on the agenda, it says, oh, are we done with Pep? Yes. We're done. Okay. You're going to stay with us for a bit longer, Big H? Man, I'm still rolling. Let's roll. Let's us roll. <laughs> Diego Costa. I, this is just an excuse to talk when is he going to get suspended when will he get suspended it's it, going to come it needs to be like I'm saying it needs to be a tactical uh, <laughs> uh, yellow card he needs to get the yeah. yellow card in a game that's best Hawaii can come in and play and then well also I think the the yellows get reset in January sometime Do they? No, no, no they don't Sensu. some journalist asked Conte a question about it so apparently, uh, Conte laughed with him and said, "I don't know if he's going to make it into January to get the reset." <laughs> but uh, I'm hoping because he's saved. If you think about Watford, if you think about uh, obviously West Brom, there was another game at the beginning of the year where he where he scored. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. Let me ask you guys this though, because I may have an unpopular answer. This let me ask you this: Can Chelsea win the title without Diego Costa? Yes. No. I say yes. People forget what Hazard did two seasons ago. People forget what William was doing during uh, last season. The thing is that those guys, they can't step up. And the illusion is that, oh my gosh, without your cause, we can't do anything. But no, Hazard is a goal-scoring midfielder. William is a goal-scoring midfielder. These guys can't score these goals. Who knows what Batshuayi can do? But I think the main thing is that Hazard and William can't step up. So the worst thing that Chelsea can do is buy into this illusion that, man, without Diego Costa, we can't do anything. We need him. We need him. We need him. If he buys into that, that illusion, when he does go down, if he gets injured or suspended, and that falls off to Hazard and William to really get that goal, get that 1-0, it's not going to happen. If they don't believe in themselves that, you know, we can actually chip in. What was your answer, Carl? Nothing. Yeah. Chelsea. Chelsea can win the league. I, I called this before the start of the season. I think they've got the best manager in Conte. Both, of you, both of you guys have said Chelsea to win the league. I can't bring myself to say that because I'm not a jinx. Yes, <laughs> just, yes we all get it. Okay. Uh, I, know how, I, I know how it works. I always say in Nigeria we will lose a match. <laughs> so, like, I, I know how it works. Man, so. Best manager in Conte. Best, best signing of the season in getting Kante. They've got one of the best players in the league in Hazard. They go one of the best strikers in the league in Costa. Like, but they still have Gary Cahill, though. It's fine. Don't give Zuma the juice. Leave Zuma on the sideline, please. There is, there is no need for Chelsea to ruin the next 10 years of Zuma's career on the, on the off chance that he's 15% better than Gary Cahill at the moment. I think he's 20% better regardless. 5% between our evaluation, even still. Uh, there's no... <laughs> <laughs> there's no point to risk. Or there's t- no need to. There's no need to rush him. I think it'd be very right. interesting if. I mean, this Fabregas-Matic scenario is very, very interesting. I think it allows them two very pronounced forms of attack. Mm. I think. Yeah, I think the league's the league is Chelsea's to lose. 
There's no European football. One game a week, which is what Leicester did, which is what Liverpool did. Since 2013, it's become very apparent. If you want to win the Premier League, you don't necessarily have to beat the other top four teams. You just have to make sure you beat everyone else, which is what Fergie learned near the end. All he has to do is make sure he beats Stoke and beat West Brom. And I think another thing we've also learned is when in doubt, tank out of Europa and just make sure you have one game a week. Exactly. It's one game a week. Tottenham are so stupid. Why, why get into Europa? That's just going to mess you up. Like Tottenham, you've messed up your season. Because Europa will just complicate things for you that you don't need. Thir- Thursday, Sunday, especially if they're making you fly to Russia or <laughs> Ukraine or somewhere. That, what is that? Like 3,000 miles both ways or something yeah. crazy that you have to do in two in that you have to get over in two days and then play the game on Sunday. That's crazy. Also, yeah, I think- um, uh, did you guys remember Swansea? They, they finished Europa League. Then they almost got relegated the next year. Same thing almost happened with Everton and Martinez. So mm. the Europa League especially, more than, more than the Champions League, just because of the way that it's scheduled, is more punitive to your, I guess, league hopes the next season. So also I could say that if Chelsea and United would have swapped uh, places last year, so if United would have been the ones without Europe, and Chelsea had the Europa League, I could probably see an argument where Chelsea are somewhere around fifth, fourth, and United second, first, just because of the one game a week, and you give Mourinho, you know, seven, eight days to prepare for a match. Mm-hmm. Disagree. Disagree. United's problems would still remain, even if they didn't have Europa League. It's not a match or schedule issue. It's a personnel issue and a, man- and a management issue. Well, I mean, we have a United guy here. True. I think the United point is true. We would, United wouldn't be top of the league if we only had one game in a week. But I don't think Chelsea would either. Like the, the change to the 3-4-3 does not happen if Conte doesn't have a whole week to plan right. and like get the system in. Like all disrespect to Gary Cahill, Gary Cahill would not have learned how to work that system if there wasn't a week between games. Klopp says it takes a year for people to understand his system. It takes a certain amount of time to switch formations on the fly. And I think it's greatly helped by the fact that Chelsea only have to play one game a week. Do we think that 3-4-3 is Antonio Conte's last kind of long-term blueprint? Or this is just something he's doing on the fly until he can work out like maybe 3-5-2 or 4-2-4? Or... 3-4-3 is a shtick. No, 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 no. 3-5-2 is his thing. He did it for yeah. Juventus, two strikers. He did it with Italy, uh, two strikers. I think three four three is unique to the personnel that Chelsea have, but well, I don't know if that's necessarily the no, end game. Me, I, three four three three five two. There are similarities within them, but I, I think as well as that, it's the kind of first of all, it's the league you're you're, you're playing in, mm-hmm. and the, the team that you have. Three, how many? Who has has anybody ever played or been successful in a three five two in England? Premier League, you need a lot more of an attacking impetus. In the Syria, it's a lot more tactical. There are less goals scored because. This is what Conte was saying to um, Henri when he got interviewed. He was saying that in, in Syria, if you're leading 1-0 with 15 minutes to go, you've won the, the game, pretty much. But in the Premier League, even if you're winning 1-0 with 15 minutes to go, it can easily swing it away. A 3-4-3 is better because you can't rely on your team to really hold out a 1-0. So you always need to try and get that second, get that third goal because Premier League games so so many ways. So... 3-4-3 is definitely the blueprints for Chelsea looking for forward. I think it's, uh, it's no, I don't think you can say 
a man system after 12 games, it will be his shtick for the rest of his tenure at a right. football club. I think, no, I don't think anyone would have predicted Alonso and Victor Moses would be have key parts. Suppose Chelsea have European football and they have to play maybe three games in eight days or something like that. Yeah. If you add, if you had a cup game, you, no, 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 you, you can't play Victor. Victor Moses is the only person currently in the squad who can play the right wing back role and exceed in it. You mm. could, yeah. I mean, I could argue that maybe Aspilicueta could play that, but then what happens on the left side? Does, yeah. does Alonso play eight, uh, three games in eight days? Probably not. So this squad would need. Yeah. It's a, it's a system that works well because you only have, one game a week, but you need another wing back. You need, or maybe two. You need certainly another uh, center back. Maybe Christensen coming back next season could That's do something. That, but that you have to, Gary Kane will have to be moved aside. John Terry will get too old. Yeah, and also, like, you can't just throw Zuma in to three four three something he's never done before, and like yeah. run run with it, kid. Like that's going to take another uh, maybe four or five games to adapt to. So have we lost double H this time? I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. It, you just went oddly quiet, so... Oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm Eating. consuming what you guys are saying, man. You know, I can't, we can't keep talking about each other like piranhas. That's so, uh. <laughs> No, because I can't wait till we get to bloody Mourinho, because Carl, I'm, we're, Carl, I'm, we're, we're, I'm, there, I'm, we're there, we're there, we're there, we're there. Um, oh, no, we're on Zidane, aren't we? <laughs> I was going to move that second, so we could stay with the Premier League continuity, but if you want to oh, go to Zidane Mourinho, we can. No, Zidane. Okay, let me just say something very quick on Zidane. Um, 35 games unbeaten, six points clear. People still call him a clown as a manager. Real Madrid fans, by the, by the way. Unbeaten streaks are overrated, by the way. Entirely. Entirely overrated. Because, look, you could go, conceivably, unbeaten and be relegated. You understand that, right? Maybe a pick who could be my um, future wife, but that's in theory. So it's like... What's the point in saying in theory? Let's deal with reality. In reality, no team has ever been unbeaten and rarely relegated. It's never happened. It's, um, the point is, is that just because you haven't lost in a certain amount of games, that discounts the luck that goes into it. Like Ramos scoring against Barcelona in the 90s. That's luck. No, no, but that. See, luck is 10 games unbeaten, 15 games unbeaten. 35 games unbeaten. How the hell is that luck? There is some degree of luck there. Yes, because, there is some luck. But, my lord, that is some incredible juju-like witchcraft, <laughs> white black magic luck of 35 games unbeaten. Because, my god, that is, that is luck I've never seen in my life before. Personally. What do you mean? <laughs> they play in Spain. It's the same argument where Pep, like, you've never been tested, etc., etc. Thing, these things happen when you have one of the three best squads in the world. I mean, you don't know that he still has to coach a dude called Benzema. Lucho Enrique won a treble with the best front line in club that club football has ever seen. How much worse is Real Madrid than Barcelona? As a team. I'll give you this. Real Madrid's midfield is probably the best midfield in the world. Barcelona's attack. What does then need to do? Real Madrid's attack. Don't what, even, that's not even an argument. What does it then need to do other than not create schisms in the dressing room? That's it. That's all he has to do is just make sure that he keeps everyone on side. That's all he has to do. I think. Well, okay. This is my my point that I always try and make is that 
when you're management, there are two aspects. There's the tactical and the mental. I'll admit, seeing Real Madrid play, looking at the, at the classical in their games, tactically, they've not really been as on point as they were last season. But there's a mental aspect, which is where Benitez failed. And that mental aspect is what happens on the training ground. The rapport that you build, the kind of um, relationship they have with the players. And that relationship gets embedded when you play. And I'm sure Carl can actually astute to this, as in when you're playing in football, if you're mentally right and there's chemistry within your team, it improves your football and it actually increases your chance of getting last-minute goals, last-minute, last-ditch tackles. Because that mental aspect is huge. So whatever is happening on the training ground, that environment is being created by what Zidane is as a man, as a guy who's respected in the footballing game and how he has created a um, family atmosphere among this team of like, guys, even if we play badly, we get this win. We will believe that we'll get this win. Benitez will not be able to do that because he was not able to create that, ra- that rapport with the team. And that is part of management. That psychological tip is as important as a tactical tip. So, Carl, sorry. Your man said a lot of words, that, and I agree with some of them. <laughs> Zidane is lucky and good. Um, I think there's a, there's a very, very interesting article about Tom Brady from the New England Patriots. Mm. And essentially charted every single time a ball could have bounced differently or something else could have happened and Brady wouldn't have ended up with all of his Super Bowls. Um, and it's, yes, Tom Brady is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But let's not forget, he has been incredibly lucky in his career. And I think that is similar to Zidane. Zidane is a very good, he's tactics light. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call him tactically incompetent. I think there's enough nous to him to, to, get, to get the job done, which, he's, which he has done, which he is currently doing. And I also think he is very good at understanding how a changing room works, which is helpful when you're one of the best football players of all time. Real Madrid are very well equipped to win La Liga and the Champions League because they take an ungodly amount of shots and they do it from good positions and they have very, very talented players doing it. So why not? Hmm. Yeah, to see, I'm just not prepared to like, oh, it's Zidane is the... Re-. Like you're basically saying because he's a glorified babysitter that Real Madrid have now reached like the zenith or the peak of whatever footballing excellence that can I mean, be taken from the team. Like, I never said it was only the I just said that it makes no sense to just say it's all about luck and he's a clown as a manager and say, no, it's... You, 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 put, you put the word... Cl- I, I never said the word clown because I would never disrespect the man because he is a footballing legend and obviously he knows the game. But I'm, it's not... He isn't the reason. So it's, so it's solely down to the players? Yes. It's always down to the players, in my opinion. Oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> no. There, was, there was such a... There is such a pronounced change between Real Madrid manager to Real Madrid manager that it is not just the players. Like the it's manager, a, no, that's not how football works. I was like, a team needs a system. No matter how good a player is, he needs to understand what he's doing. Very, very, very few players can play without a system, whether it's like a Maradona or a Ronaldo. Most players need to know, wait, what am I doing? Where, if what the is player decides not to play for the manager, is that the player's fault or is it the manager's fault? It's the manager's fault. I think it's the player's fault because you're a professional and you play regardless of who the manager is. 
No, 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 no. Would that excuse fly if you brought home a D to your parent and you said, well, the teacher's being mean to me? Or I don't like, or, or I don't like my teacher, therefore I'm not applying myself. Yes, that is exactly what happens. <laughs> if it's, no, I think the argument of if this happened in the non-sporting world doesn't really apply because the sporting world is its own thing. The sporting and world is a reflection of society. No, no, no. sporting world is, is, is different. It's a whole different set, set of rules. Like, you can't apply the same thing. The, That's very convenient for your argument. You can apply some rules. If you're taking a test and an exam, you're taking that test because you need to pass to survive. If, if we both think this is a sporting activity they're doing, education is a necessity. As in, if you don't pass, you don't get that job, you don't go for that, and your parents kill you. If you don't play well, okay, wow, okay, you're still going to end that money. So the football thing is, it's almost like a luxury thing that you're doing. So if you're not vibing with the manager, the manager's only vibing with you, it affects your mentality when you play on the pitch, and you don't play the best of your ability. So even if you want to play well, you can't play well, because football is 50% physical, 50% mental. It is 50% mental. That's nonsense. You know? Football has its own particular rules. There's its own particular hierarchy. I think a changing room is com- is its own particular universe, distinct from the office, distinct from school. And I think if a player is not performing for a manager, that's the manager's fault. And if you want a very good example of this, we can look at Mourinho's season at Chelsea last year. Those players aren't bad players. Those players, when this is not worth it anymore, this man is not very nice to me. I'm not going to do this no more. They decided not to play. They quit on him. And it's he his fault. Yeah, so there you are. It's the manager's fault, not the player's fault. Oh, my God. Yes. So basically, a player can do no wrong. All blame is always on the manager. No, 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 no. It is not one nor the other. Players can make rods for their backs. Players can, can act in a certain way that makes a manager, gives the manager no choice. So some players will ostracize themselves. Some players will do stuff where a manager's like, right, you can leave. Um, like if you, if any, if any of you coach a sports team, you know the worst player on any sports team isn't the player that doesn't try; it's the player who sulks, because a sulking player is toxic for an environment. Because one player keeps whinging about something's bad, then other players keep saying, "Yeah, this is bad," and then all their heads dip. So it, like again, it's different from an office place and it's different from school. I think Real Madrid needs a very certain type of manager and I think the best manager Real Madrid had in recent time was Ancelotti because Ancelotti is very very good at managing egos and making sure players mm. feel many players all feel they're loved and I think and, and also I remember Zidane was, an, was working as an understudy to Ancelotti yeah so, so I, you know if you want to talk about this high I think Heinrich Mkhitaryan needs very very distinct needs compared to someone like Juan Mata based on their two you know both of them have very two very pronounced backgrounds and two very pronounced like family histories, which means Heinrich and Katarin probably responds better to an arm around the shoulder than Juan Mata does. Yes, Mata needs an arm around the shoulder, but Heinrich performs a lot better when there is an older man going, here, do this. I love you. And that's the nuance. A good manager is a tactician, but also a father figure, a babysitter and a psychologist and therapist. And I think that's what the great managers do. They, they understand all the things required from them at the same time. And I'm rambling. I'm going to stop talking now. You wanted to talk Mourinho. What, what is your point on Mourinho? Like, are you happy he finally won 
a game so that we didn't have to put oh, him in the in the brick academy. Why is, in the team? why is Ibra a starter for your damn team? Answer me that question right now. Right. Okay. So Ibrahimovic makes Manchester United's attack incredibly one-dimensional. Thank you. Incredibly one-dimensional. What do I, what do I, I was about to say, what do I feel like there's a but coming? There's a huge but, but that one dimension is really effective. Eh? Yeah. Someone said the, re- the most annoying thing about Ibrahimovic is that he constantly scores goals and therefore it covers up all the bad things he does. Yeah. Ibrahimovic um, is very, very, very good at putting the ball in the net. But the things he has to do to get there makes our team very one-dimensional and makes our team quite plodding. Um, and is it worth doing so if he's not really scoring on a consistent basis? If he's scoring on a consistent basis, fair enough. In the last few 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 games, okay, there have been goals here and there. He's been missing a lot of goals. And, Carl, I'm going to say this right now, and this is what I believe. Mourinho has put loyalty over meritocracy. His friendship with Ibrahimovic is what is being... Is, is being detrimental to Man United. Anthony Martial, and I'm sure you will know this as being a footballer, you cannot play a striker on the wing. Because I remember, I'm like, when, when, when I was growing up, I was naturally a central midfielder. And whenever hmm. they, they put me on the wing, I just, I couldn't do it. I just didn't know how to play as a winger. As soon as, as, soon as they put me back in central midfield, the way my, my brain works, I work better centrally in the central of midfield. You put me on the wing, I just, it's a different kind of way that your brain and your football has to work, which I just can't do. For Martial, he's doing his best. First of all, he's a right footer. You put him on left wing. Yeah. He's actually a striker. So you are actually being detrimental to your team because you have to create a scenario where Ibrahimovic has to play as a striker. Therefore, Martial is being shafted. And not only is he being put on the wing, he's being put on the left wing. So he's not being put as a left attacking strike who can cut in. He's playing as a full-on winger. So I said to Mourinho, what the hell? That is mind-boggling. I think it'd be very, very mean to put all of Manchester United's builds <gasps> at the foot of Ibrahimovic. Um, so this arguing that if Ibrahimovic isn't scoring, you should drop him would work if it wasn't so painfully obvious that he eventually will come good. And that's the most annoying thing about him. Ibra will come good. He gets, if you look at any of the stats, he gets, an, he gets in enough good position. He takes enough good shots. He, he makes enough good passes that eventually it will come. Eventually, Ibra will get 20 goals this season. It may be he gets four goals against West Bromwich Albion or Burnley to do it, but he will get 20 goals that season. So it's, it's up to the manager to decide what happens and how to regulate that. Um, and honestly, I think Jose is using him very well. Um, I think the big thing about Martial is not whatever. I think a big thing was the fact he got he very clearly got concussed against Watford. That boy was gone. Like, Nets really, he was doing all right. He got some goals. He was being pushed aside. Also, bear in mind, Martial's 20, okay? He's in a, his second season. And, you know, if you're an attacking player, second season's always harder because the first thing people do is they double up on you. And he got up against Watford and he got concussed. He was badly concussed. Um, and to expect anyone to play very, very well in your second season in a foreign country when your home life is not particularly great, which we know, mm. under a new system and you're undoing all the work of the old system and you get a massive concussion, give him time. But I, I, that said, I would love for Martial to be the number nine 
and then often we have Mkhitaryan and then maybe... No, no, but, but Carlo, but my thing though is that, especially when you're a young player, the worst thing you can do for a young player is play them out of position. Because when you're young, you can very easily get disheartened by playing out of position, not playing well, in and out of the team performances are not that good. So therefore, when you now try and get back into your good position, you've forgotten how to do it. So the best thing you could do for a young player is keep them in the same position. I think the worst thing you can do to a young player is to not play them at all, which is why Martial on the wing excites me more than Martial not playing. Do you have the same argument for Rashford then, Carl? Would, would you rather see him? Would you rather see him on the right, like basically being an auxiliary fullback? Or would you rather him no, not playing Rashford, as a striker? Rashford, if Rashford plays, Rashford has to be a striker. If, if it was up to me, Rashford wouldn't play another game of football till February because that boy is knackered. He's knackered. Mm. Rashford should not be playing football until February. If I was in charge of the FA and I had loads more money, I'd tell all the big clubs, all of these players that play for England in the Euros should all be rested for the Christmas period. So no Harry Kane, no Deli Ali, no Eric Dyer, no Marcus Rashford. Like all these wait, players are wait. very knackered. Because they're, they're tired. tired. So, cause, so you're saying that they're they are tired after getting um, embarrassed by Iceland. Yeah, no. I am. I'm saying all these players are very young. They played in, in, especially the Tottenham Hotspur players, they played in a very pronounced system that required them to run around a lot. I think they barely got any preseason. They got three weeks break. And I think they, it all shows. Like Carrie Kane looks 15% off it. So does Derry Ali, it looks, should be dropped entirely because he's not offering much. I think Eric Dyer looks particularly, looks a lot more tactically clueless than he was because he's tired. Like, Trachin needs a good amount of sleep and these English players are very, very sleepy. So if Martial gets dropped, fine. Because also, you know, Martial looked really bad in the Euros as well. I think his first touch would be completely eroded and I don't know what happened there, but... There you have it. I mean, did Marshall even... How, how much did he even play at the Euros? He hardly played, so... He barely played. He wasn't very good. He had a very particularly poor first touch in the Euros. I remember looking at this and I, I felt very, very uh, worried for him. Uh, and then when you watch what happened after the fallout of the Van Gaal thing, the leaks that were given out about how Van Gaal insisted every single player before you shoot, shoot you had to take a touch first, it made things very interesting to watch Martial in the Euros because clearly wanted to take the first-time shot because of how Manchester United worked previously. He was very unsure and therefore he had a very, very poor first touch in the Euros. Which is, again, something that people aren't really talking about. These Manchester United players are like now having to unlearn a lot of what Van Gaal did. And United will not finish top four. And I'm, I don't think Mourinho is going to be the best man to take United forward. I don't particularly think Manchester United are going to win a Premier League title in about five years. But, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, United don't win that's, anything. That's, that's, that's pretty serious. But bloody hell. Five years? A long, a long time. How, how much money do you think Mourinho will have spent if he stays, you know, three years? Like, he's, he's already spent, what, one, one, 150? I think so. <laughs> so if you give him... Three more transfer windows? Four? <laughs> if you he include the winner off. ones? He will spend really? half a billion. Yeah. <laughs> Easily. 
there's no way if Mourinho stays four years, the 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 duration of his contract, and spends upwards of you know five hundred million pounds, that he's not gonna win a league. Like he's gonna win one, at least. You you guys just have to kind of stick with him. Um, I hope so. I hope I hope I would love to be proved wrong, but. There is nothing about that Man United team that shows me they're going to win the league in five years. Carl, Carl seems on that uh, reverse psychology life. Oh, yeah, man. Five years. <laughs> I, I, I got you. Man, trust me, it's, it's works, so look, man, keep doing it. It actually works. So. Mm. Yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea are never look. going to win another league as long as I'm alive. As far as I'm concerned. <laughs> look, is going to go. Smalling and Jones aren't good enough. Rashford is going to break his kneecap. Pogba's going to go to Real Madrid. So then what? You better hope Rashford doesn't break his knee. God, that, that, was I, I have Chapa Coense written down here. Um, and have you guys heard about this? Where the Brazilian FA have charged um, or fined Chapa Coense £25,000. My friends, that is not true. Th- is it, not is true. this more fake news? More fake news. This has to stop. And I, and, and I had it written down here as more of a question than a statement because I wanted to know if any either of you had figured out whether this was true or wait, false. Wait, 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 okay, so, so what? Because it's all, it sounds fake. So what was the actual fake news? All right, all right. So on the Daily Mail, which is probably a Thank clue, you, Daily, Daily um, Mail. Come on. <laughs> um, there, there was a story that ran that Chapa Coense and I think Atletico Mineiro, if I'm pronouncing that right? Yeah. Um, they were fined £25,000 each because they did not play um, the last game in the Brazilian season. And I was looking at that, and I was like, this can't be right. <laughs> because there's no way the FA would ever charge a team that just lost its team. Like, you know. Right. I mean, I'm, 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 like, like, daddy, like. Which, which where... then transitions me into, like, fake news. Like, what the, what is going on out here? This stuff, it harms the people who produce it. Because... Daily Mail have been doing this for ages. These guys come up with it. And they've actually been charged for this numerous times of like, guys, I'll come out and say, wait a minute, you just created some crap about me. No, I'm actually going to take it to court and sue you. And they pretty much lost every single time that they've been sued by people they've made fake news of. And the thing about this is that for Daily Mail is that you would actually, you obviously didn't do the proper investigation. You actually do something like like, like this, where the whole world, remember, this isn't only football news. This is not, has now become main news now. So everybody has governance around this um, story. So you actually use that and actually create a story like, like this. It just shows you that you guys, you're, 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 you're pieces of shit. <laughs> As journalists, you are your pieces of complete shit. So. You know what's worse is that when they publish the story, they, they have, you know how teams take, you know, pictures of the 11 yeah. um, where, they, where they all huddle up. So first they had that. And then next to it, they had the picture of the crashed plane. And I was looking at, like, why would you, if it's fake news, why post the picture of the, of the crashed plane? Look, man. It's Weird, sick, it? man. It's, it's really demented if you think about it. No, it's just um, And obviously it's there because they know people will click on it, which yeah. is double worse. Like, you publish it, but then you know there's an audience for it, which, I don't know. We got to sort this shit out, man. Let's do questions. We have maybe... 10 minutes? You guys have 10 minutes? I've got 10 yeah. minutes. All right. This question is from Mohammed at Mozilla19 at Talking Tactics. 
I bet Julian, you it's, it's kind of an Arsenal question. It's totally an Arsenal question. If Julian Draxler moves to Arsenal, how would that affect Alex Iwobi? Uh Potential position change or season-long loan? If Draxler's move to Arsenal affects Iwobi in any way, it should be cancelled. There is Iwobi is a Nigerian. I am biased, and I would not want anything to hamper his um, progression as a player. So, if Draxler moving means anything will affect it will be adversely Draxler should step off and it, go to some other club. It, it, it would though, wouldn't it? Because if you yeah. buy if you buy Draxler for 30, 35, you're gonna have to play him. Yeah, he has to play. And the logical out would be benching it a Wobi. So he's not coming because Draxler's been linked for how long? Four years now? He's not coming boys. No no no, no 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 but I think no, no I think it's getting real now because he got left out of the Wolfsburg squad against Bayern Munich. So, so I think really, generally, I think really, he's now said that, I'm, I've been talking to guys in Germany, and you know what? He's pretty much said like, look, I, I want, we'll spoke at like 15th, 16th. He saw what happened with the De Bruyne leaving. He said, you know what? I'm, I, and he's too good for the, for the team. The, the team are, are on the down. And a guy like that, a German starter, one of the biggest youngest talents, you can't be at Wolfsburg. A team in, the, in the, like near the relegation zone. So generally he's out. So. Why would you go right? Why would you go to Arsenal, a team stocked full of created midfielders, in January? Because, what, for? what for? No, no, because if if he, he he goes in there, he can actually start ahead of a lot of those midfielders. I'll say that right now, because it will be. Look, I'm, I'm biased. He's my guy, but he starts ahead of it will be. He's better than Ramsey. Kazola is injured. Um, he's better than Chamberlain. Um, he's apart from Mesut and Alexis. He's better than pretty much every other midfielder at Arsenal. <laughs> so he goes into the starting team because <laughs> Draxler is very talented. That bad guy is good. <laughs> so I think, I think you wait out the rest of the season and then you, uh, you see what PSG want to do. Mm. I don't think, I don't think Arsenal is the best place to go. Cause if you want to be the main man and spend five years somewhere, why go to Arsenal? Um, because you're young and you need to develop. PSG wants to develop you. Wenger you- will develop you. So, do you- yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Do you really want to go to PSG? I mean, other than for the check. Yeah, the check for the PSG, that's a bad move because you're going to a dead league, which doesn't offer you any kind of <laughs> progression as a player. Like Premier League will improve you as a player. A dead league. Woo! Not alive. Good grief. <laughs> well, all right, all right, all right. Uh, if you were Draxter and I gave you the option of going to Arsenal, PSG, Bayern Munich. Or Dortmund, which which of the four would you go? Dortmund every day, all day. Carl, Dortmund, yes. I don't know. I don't know if I'd go Dortmund. Danny, have you seen Dortmund's team? I've seen but, it, but why did Draxler in that team? That's money. That is freaking money. <laughs> Come on, man. they're kind of young. Like if he wants to win, you'd probably go Bayern, wouldn't you? The way that Dortmund play, he fits better for Dortmund than he would for Bayern Munich. And Bayern Munich, look, they're already stacked. If if he goes in, does he go in ahead of Dor- Dortmund? Are Dortmund are pretty Dortmund stacked as well. Boston. Like, let's let's not pretend like Dortmund aren't stacked either. If he goes to Dortmund, he starts ahead of Andres Schola, and he's actually fighting for a place between him and Dembele. And then be times when because Dembele is still young, and sometimes have odd games, he may start ahead of Dembele a few games. In Bayern Munich, based off seniority and experience, you're not starting ahead of Ribery or Robin. Costa is going to be hard to displace. How long do they have left, though? And then Dortmund are a team that... They're a selling club, aren't they? 
So Aubameyang's not going to stay with Dortmund, mm, no. is he? He's 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 going to go to Madrid within the next two three seasons. So are, are you really comfortable going to a team where you don't know what the team's going to look like, like in three years' point. time? No, I think I think that is a crucially underrated asset. I can I project what Bayern Munich is going to like. Uh, Robin's going to be gone. Ribery's going to be gone. Do you honestly think Paul Pogba went to Manchester United over Real Madrid because he thought Manchester United would be better? La Bile, La Bile. No. Paul, Paul Pogba he went, went there to because Man- he speaks English, probably. La Bile no, no, messed no, no, up. No, no, La Bile will forever regret his decision to leave Juventus. Forever. My friends, my friends, Paul Pogba went to Manchester United because he knows for a fact if it doesn't work out at Manchester United, he can still go to Real Madrid. What? I think this Are you crazy? No, it's, yeah. it's true. It's true. Like, that's a really good point, actually. I think this is a crucially underrated thing about how you would view employment. We know for a fact Zidane told Nasri, go to Arsenal to put yourself in the shop window. As much as we'd all like to pretend our team is the be-all and end-all, Manchester United is a shop window. Dortmund is a shop window. If you're Julian Draxler, you can go to Dortmund, and if it doesn't work out, oh, well, I can still go to Real Madrid, or I can still go to here, I can still go to there. Okay, like, so how is Juventus not a shop window then? Like, the... The crucially underrated sideways move in world football. And this is why I think PSG is interesting because you can go to PSG. How is Juventus not a shop window for if La La Bille stayed at Juventus? As you you myself said, it was what? A a dead league? What, if you're going to win all trophies, why else are you going to be there? Think about it, right? All right, next. All right, next. Next. La Bill was still um, rumored to be a Real Madrid target when he was at Juventus, and since his move to United, his market value has gone down. Like, like people are not talking about La Bill in the same way that they were with Juventus, and his performances for United have not been anywhere near as good as they were for Juventus. Wait, wait, wait! You really think if you want to buy Pogba tomorrow, you would have you could pay less than eighty nine million? Yes, now, yes. He's, really? He's not worth 89 really? million now. No, he is. You, you think you could pay less than 89 million to buy him? Yes. You, my probably, friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you probably could. No, you could not. He's not, he's not worth 89 million. I mean, come on, man. Give me a break. Pogba, the way he's been playing now, right now, his market value has dropped. He's not worth 89 million think, right now. I think you don't properly understand how market forces work to say you could pay less than 89 million to get Paul Pogba. You might have thought the same thing about Di Maria at one point as well. And he was 60. And how much did PSG buy him for the next year? 59, was it not? Let me look it up. Di Maria went for a lot of money. Like, what we've, under- what we've understood now, but like, let's look, let's look at the Benteke deal, for example. Benteke had a terrible time at Liverpool. I just lost 3 million. Like, yeah, how- yeah, no, 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 no. But I- I'm saying that. It's been shown that United are cool taking a loss on a player. It's a loss, not in terms of the player amortization. As a matter of fact, United would have made money on the books. But if you just look at the transfer fees, um, Di Maria was bought for $59.7 million, and I think he was sold for 44. 44, yeah. Okay, so, so what's that? What's the math? 15? 15 million. I think Pogba got next time Pogba moves, he goes to more than 100. What? Yeah. Wait, how the hell do you walk this stuff out? I can see that if he stays longer than a season, if he stays two or three seasons and he works himself into the team, cool. But right now, like, let's say United wanted to sell him in the January window, you think they're going to get 90? 
Yeah. No, Carl, come on. Come on. Of course. There's no way anyone would ever pay 90 right now. Anybody who would pay 90 for Pogba right now, you are incredibly stupid. Why are you stupid to pay 90 million for Paul Pogba? Because Pogba's performances have not warranted him to be worth 90 million. He's no longer one of the best young midfielders in the world. He still is. The only you, way that it can be justified is if he goes to another club that's oh, that's sponsored by Adidas. That's the only way it works. Because that never, he, works. That never works. Let's 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 drop this fiction of Adidas and Nike funding deal. No, 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 no. What what I'm saying is, the only club that could pay that much money is one that's with uh, Adidas. That's the only way it works, because Pogba's not being made to be United's best. Play. He's he's becoming a brand. And the brand might be worth more than ninety million at this point, just be because of the work that uh, that, that of ninety million. The brand is. So your your argument is basically saying the fifteen games Pogba's played has made him ten million less than worth his work. No, we all no, know. No, from- whoa, 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 whoa! What I would argue is that what United were willing to pay for him in the first place wasn't his legitimate evaluation based on footballing prowess. But if you look at the marketing aspect, which might not exist for another team, his value would then decrease. Do you follow? That is a more nuanced argument. We, we try around here. The argument that Paul Pogba is not one of the most talented young midfielders in Europe because of what's gone on at Manchester United is hook'em. Everyone well, no, 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 no. I would never argue because I think he's probably the best. How old is he? 23? He's probably the best under 23 player, maybe bar Neymar. Your man Double H has just said he's not one of the best young players because of I'm what? saying I'm saying right. We don't always a, agree. <laughs> like Double H is kinda out there sometimes. I said this at the start of the season as Paula Bill Popper, don't leave Juventus. Don't leave Juventus. Since he's left because at Juventus, I was like, no, this guy is one of the best young midfielders in the world because he walks Allegri knew how to use him and he walks what in the system. Since he's been at, at United, look. There have been vines upon vines upon vines of misplaced passes, misplaced shots, wayward things. He'll do a few things here, but the last thing, his performances are like, wait a minute, this guy ain't as good as we all thought he was. Mm. You know? And his footballing performances are not, it's nowhere near 70 mil or 80 mil, nowhere near that. And you would be incredibly stupid based on how he's been playing for United to pay 80 million for what he's been doing right now. I'm sorry. But that's, that's not how the transfer market works. You don't pay the money based on what they've been doing right now. You factor in what it, where, where he is, what he does, how young they are. Like I'm saying right now, there is no club who are now interested in public. Real Madrid right now, I say, you know what? We're now cool. Well, we're all right. We like the guy who was at Juventus, but this dude at United, you know what? We'll chill for a minute. We'll, we'll keep Kovacic and people. We'll chill. You know, you can keep him for now. Because we'll, this player, I don't think, well, we're going <laughs> to, we really need this dude now. So that's and that's, that's just me being real. Pogba, yeah. you made a bad move. You made you, you made a bad move, man. So mm. he fundamentally hasn't because he's always got the Real Madrid thing in his back pocket. So that is something people always overlook at any point in time. Paul Pogba, and this is a similar thing to this is one reason why Hazard managed to get rid of Jose because at any point in time Hazard could be like, all right, then some to Real Madrid. Let's say after Hazard's season in 2014-15. He was, he was probably around 70 million, maybe. Yep. Let's say maybe November time last year. Do you think he was still worth 70 million to a prospective buyer? Yeah. 
I see. I don't think he was. I think his value would have decreased based on the seasonal performance that we saw. No, no, because 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 the the talk you have with Eden Hazard is Hazard. What's going on right now? And Hazard goes, "Oh, uh, I'm not playing particularly well because I'm not particularly enjoying my football." Jose Mourinho makes me constantly track back my fullback. I really want to come to a project to do this. Then you go to Chelsea and go, how much do you want to get this guy? And then Chelsea go, this is the closest player you can get to a viable Messi, Neymar, or uh, Ronaldo. He costs what? 70 million. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Calm. No, 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 no. Okay. Who on the planet right now that is not in that upper band of Messi, Neymar, Suarez, and Ronaldo can you buy that isn't Eden Hazard? Have you, have you heard of a guy called Alexis Sanchez? That you can buy. Where does Sanchez go? I'm, I'm saying that don't put them in the same breath. That's, that's a mistake that, that, that you made right there. I'm talking, if I gave you 100 million and I went, you need to buy a player and hope that this kid turns out to be anywhere near as these players. The guy you go out Alexis. and buy right now is in Hazard. It's, Who are you buying? It's Alex. You buy it's Alex Alexis. Sanchez? Yeah. No. How? Well, Look at the age you, 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 of my friend. I give you 100 million and you buy a 27 year old. Give me my money back. I'm never negotiating <laughs> with you again. No, 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 no. Basically, if you give me 100 million, I'm saying, you know what? I'm actually pocketing it to myself and I'm putting it to an offshore account because there isn't anything worth buying that will be close to like a mess. Or a, or a so Nigerian. You know? <laughs> I would buy, no, you know what? I would what? buy. I would <laughs> I would buy Ballard Dybala above Hazard. He's the most I'm buying Dybala over Hazard. This man is going to do. I'm buying Dybala over Hazard. Hazard, that same guy who was basically running around like a headless um, um, yeah, calypso against them. What's it called? Uh, was, is it West Brom or the last game that they played? Give, give me a break. 100 million. I, I'm going to spend so on Eden Hazard. Give me a break. Get out of here. All right. Next question. Jeez, guys. So nice. Um, I'm furious. <laughs> Look, man, you, 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 you Ghanaians, man. You, look. <laughs> we see sense. Next question, man. Next question. Can, we, can this not devolve into Ghana, Nigeria? I knew it would go here. Uh, Jesus. I'm glad I'm not from West Africa. Man. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uganda, man. That's, that's, that's how we write. Um, <laughs> who would you rather have in your team uh, at Talking Tactics? Uh, Neymar or Sanchez? Neymar. Wait, 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 wait. As of, wait, as of right now or just in general, based on their talent? December 13th, the year of our Lord, 2016, who would you rather have? Neymar or Sanchez? There are three questions here. Based on what Neymar. But, but as of right now, based on the form, Chess. Neymar, because he is younger. And that, that's what you build the football team around. Who is younger? Who has the, the better upward ceiling? You we'll build the team we'll, around we'll, we'll, see, we'll see. The question is, who would you rather have in your team? Not who would you rather build your team around. So I get your point that if we're starting Talking Tactics FC, then the player we go for is Neymar just because his, his longevity and ceiling is probably a bit higher. But in the moment right now, if you're an actual football club, who would you rather have in your team? Still Neymar. If I were a manager of a club and I have to win the game on Saturday, I want Sanchez in my team. Obviously. <laughs> uh, all right. So Costa or Lewandowski? I'm pretty sure he means Diego Costa. Um, same argument that Lewandowski is the better player, mm. but I would rather have Diego Costa right now. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, no, Lewandowski is easily the, the, the better football player. Right. Easily, but 
as a, as a striker right now, Costa is is, be- is better. All right, and I would assume Carl, you're going Lewandowski then. Uh, uh yeah, because the guy <laughs> bangs goals all day. Hazard or Manchester United Cristiano? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of silly question is this? I know that that was that was well. See, Carl, I don't know if you've. Yeah, if you're familiar with uh, talking tactics, but uh, have hope is a notorious Ronaldo denier, or Cristiano, sorry, because Ronaldo Cristiano is a Brazilian. There's only one Ronaldo. There's only one Ronaldo. Okay, there's only one Ronaldo. Please, thank you. Yeah, okay. and he just won the Ballon d'Or, and he's called Cristiano. No, 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 no. Whoa, 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 whoa! Carl, 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 Carl. Are you like a a, a Cristiano fan? Of course. <laughs> go, go, go ahead. Cristiano Carl. is one of the top. If you want to talk about attacking players of all time, ten. Like it, let's 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 be really real about this. If Cristiano was playing in any era that wasn't Messi's era, he'd be regarded as one of the greatest football players of all time. You are having a flipping laugh because first of all, first of all, this oh, whole mess here comes the slump. The debate is a pile of crap perpetuated by the media. Messi is. 1,000% the better football player than Cristiano. No, it's not, not even a debate. That's just hyperbole for hyperbole. No, 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 no. As far as football talent goes, Messi is easily the better player. Easily. No, he's not. So, he's not. Think of, oh, Cristiano or Messi? No, no. No, that is all crap. He's fundamental. No, 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 no. Like, Ronaldo is a better head of the ball. Ronaldo has a better week of foot. Ronaldo is better from shooting from outside the box. You really want to talk about football. He's a goal scorer. He's a better goal scorer. He's not a better football player. He's a better goal scorer. That's it. Scoring goals. As far as technically, this, it's not even close. It's not even close. What is, what is heading the ball, Ben? What is heading the ball? Is that not a technical skill? No, but, but that's it. That's his yeah, head of scoring. Your week of as far as guys, 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 one at a time. I will give Double Wait. H the floor to explain his point. That way, Carl can respond in kind. Double H, your point about Cristiano being a goal scorer. Could you please elaborate? Okay, basically. Cristiano will go down as one of the best goal scorers of all time. His football, his heading, his speed, his things with the weaker foot and stronger foot is all based off goal scoring. Lionel Messi, what Messi does is on a whole different planet. This guy's dribbling, his vision, how he walks in tight spaces, how he brings other players into the, the game, the variation of the goals he's, he scores from short range, from long, long range, how he runs with the ball. The way how he beats players, how difficult he is to tackle, how he can play on the wing in the center, how much he does over 90 minutes, how many touches he has over the ball, the amount of influence he has in a team over 90 minutes is incredible. So it is actually insulting as a football fan for people to even put Cristiano in the same breath as Lionel Messi because what Messi does over 90 minutes in a football match is far more than what Cristiano does over 90 minutes. So therefore, it's not a debate of who is the better football player. And the fact that it's a debate is insulting to me as, if, as a, a football connoisseur. Thank you. Carl, please, please respond to this. Is this kind of crap that is why people hate Pep Guardiola and Barcelona? Okay, so what you've done there is you said you've created your own straw man argument of why Ronaldo is a better goal scorer. And then you've come up with a bunch of attributes where Messi is superior that are also very much linked to scoring goals. So let's look at this. Are you with me, boys? Yes. yes. So let's look at this. There are some things that Ronaldo is better than Messi at. There are some things that Messi is better than Ronaldo at. That doesn't denigrate either one. Messi is a better dribble of the ball. Yes. 
This is because Ronaldo figured out he doesn't need to dribble. He can just sprint straight through you. They both play very differently, aesthetically, okay? Ronaldo is a better header of the ball. Ronaldo is probably the one of the best headers of the ball we've ever seen. It's like Pele and him, top two. So let's get that straight out of the way. Ronaldo has better from sh- shooting from outside the box. Ronaldo arguably has a better weaker foot. Messi has greater vision and has greater passing ability. Okay? So let's talk about those two things. What you also have to understand, you cannot discuss one without the other. Because there is, if you know anything about any great sporting rivalry, one of the main reasons these players get so good is because they're constantly thinking about the other player. So Ronaldo is so great because he knows Messi is out there. And Messi is great because he knows Ronaldo is out there. I think a very important thing you have to bear in mind when you talk about these sort of things is John McEnroe, Bjorn Borg. He's not over it. He's still not over it. He will always talk about how he'd be at home and uh, if he knew the Swedish guy was out there training, getting better. So therefore, he had to go get training. Anytime he didn't want to go jogging, anytime he didn't want to do anything, he knew his rival was out there. And then when the Swede retired all of a sudden, he disappeared. McEnroe couldn't handle it, couldn't cope. And I think you cannot in any way say Messi's the greatest player of all time and blah, 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 without also going, he kind of owes maybe 30% of it because there's a Portuguese guy out there who is like a T2000 wow. running, constantly running and trying and trying to be better than Messi. And Messi's like, oh, well, but I keep trying to be better than this guy. Yes, Messi is arguably... The arguably now you can put in air quotes. Messi's probably the greatest football player of all time. He isn't. Oh, bloody hell. Talking to you. <laughs> He's probably top three. No, 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 you can't say that, no, because there's a guy called Diego Maradona, so you can't say Cesar. Oh, that's not, even, that's not even the correct person you argue with. If you want to argue with Messi, you don't argue with Maradona. You argue with Beckenbauer or you argue with De Stefano. What? <laughs> Wait a minute. So, so, Carl, you're telling me that... You don't even put Maradona in the conversation as one of the greatest players of all time? He is, but he's like the conversation greatest player of all time is Messi, Beckenbauer, De Stefano, Maradona, oh my, Pele. Wow. It's those top five. Wow. I mean, Carl, I'm sorry. It's those top five. Diego Maradona, no. If you talk about the greatest player of all time, you, Diego Maradona is one of the first names you talk about. Diego Armando Maradona, a dude that Napoli have only won two league titles in their entire history because of one man. Because of one man, Napoli have won two league titles in their entire history. That's argument yeah. trumps anything that Messi or Cristiano yeah. could ever do. So don't even talk about oh, yeah. Cristiano or Messi in the same breath as Maradona. Because Maradona, don't, he is in a different class to Messi and Cristiano. He's in a different class. So don't even... That's, that's, it's, see, see, the problem with your argument is that you're viewing... So it, when you rank the greatest player of all time, it doesn't work like one, two, three, four, five, six. It works as a triangle. So at the top, you have like four, maybe 10 players and they all work in a nebula zone. So this is why you have to have, when you say the greatest player of all time, you have to name five at a time because they're all sat at the same table. You should sit at the same table alongside Messi. You should sit at the same table alongside Marit, as alongside Beckenbauer. You sit at the same table alongside someone like maybe even Johan Cruyff. No. I don't care if no. he dragged Napoli kicking his screen. Because <laughs> what you have, to, you, have, you have to understand is... <laughs> I mean, Carl, I'm going so You can't, I'm no, Beckenbauer, 100%. Di Stefano, what the hell did that guy do internationally? Johan Cruyff, that guy lost two finals back to back. So those guys are not even in the argument. Beckenbauer, thank no, no, no. you. Maradona, thank you. Pele, thank you. Ronaldo, thank you. Zidane, thank you. Cristiano, get the hell out of my mind. No, get the hell out of here. <laughs> Don't you dare come to Right, right. To the door, you get Ronaldo never won a Cristiano's won how many? Three? 
Your Ronaldo never World won a Champions League. Up. Cristiano's won three. World Cup. So, oh, oh, three. Oh, going by. Sorry, what's wait, wait? I mean, how well did Cristiano play in those Champions League finals? I think in one final he scored a a, a penalty to make it what four one and took off his shirt. Ah, yes, I think I remember that. Yes, yes, I do. And also, last I checked, the World Cup is where it's at. World Cup is the most important football competition that's that there is. I'm sorry, it is. And your boy Ronaldo, with an injury, coming off your top injury, it was the top scorer in the not. top World Cup. So Absolutely I'm sorry, not. do not insult your boy R9 phenomenon with that Portuguese head. It's not, it's not. I'm sorry. Right. First, right. First of all, the World Cup is not the most important tournament in world football anymore. That that much is known. This whoa, man. whoa, 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 car, 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 car. Oh Jesus. man, Danny, please help me out here, Danny. I'm begging. No, no. I, I, see, I just I know what's good podcasting, and I'm gonna just let you guys go. But that point, what is then the best, the most important tournament? Right? Champions League. It's very, very, very clear that in terms of importance, in terms of where all the best players play, and the consistent ranking of the best players in the world versus everything. The Champions League is a better barometer of who the best players in the world are than the World Cup because it's very apparent the way the seasons work out in terms of modern football. I think, all right, this is very much a new phenomenon. About 2006 onwards, the Champions League superseded the World Cup in terms of importance. So by the time everyone gets to a World Cup, they're knackered. All right. So if you look at the 2014 World Cup, we can count all the great players that didn't make it. Yeah, Germany won it, but Marco Reus wasn't there. So how good were Germany really? is frankly my opinion about that. There were a lot of great players that didn't make that World Cup due to injury, due to the fact they played for the quote-unquote wrong nation. Take someone like Gareth Bale, for example, or take someone like Heinrich Mkhitaryan. World Cup is of a decreased importance because it comes at the end of the sapping season. There are a number of good players that don't get to play in it. And if we look at how international football is played right now, it's very, very clear all the great coaches don't coach international football teams anymore because you only get an international football team maybe 10 games a season and do your proper principles in club football. This came to particular light if you look at the Euros. The most fruitful players at the Euros and the best teams at the Euros were not the teams that had a hodgepodge or whatever. It was the teams that had consistent systems and they used blocks of players from different clubs that all played to the same way. Italy were very good at Euros because Conte went, I'm just going to use all the lads that I use from Juventus. Like, you don't have enough time to do the quote-unquote good football of a high-pressing system, of a defensive high line, of gentian pressing to do international football. If you think right now the World Cup offers you better football than the, from the quarter-final onwards of the Champions League, then you, my friend, are a clown. This is two different arguments, though, Carl, because I agree if your point is which football is best, right? I would obviously say club football. But in terms of importance... Best and important aren't necessarily the same thing. And I think the World Cup, in terms of prestige, in terms of importance to the sport, once every four years, you get one chance to win the biggest trophy in the game. And I think that's the difference. And also, the reason why the World Cup will always, always be the key barometer is that it's what it's about. You see, as Danny said, Champions League, there's always next year. There's always next year. That's the first and second thing is that it seemed like Real Madrid, they have the most money. Therefore, they can create like the best team because they can create the perfect scenario to put all the best players on the best team. Hence why Cristiano now struggles when he doesn't have a Modric or a Bale or a Benzema in his team. Messi struggles when he doesn't have his Iniesta or his Neymar or Busquets in, in the team. The World Cup is, is beautiful because it's which is the best country. 
We're not saying that. You can only choose the players from your country. Hence why you've got to hold it up saying, you know, Germany are one of the best footballing nations in the world because of how consistently they've done well for the past 40, 50, 50 years. Let me stop you there. How have Germany got there? Because they have money. What? Okay, because Germany is an economically prosperous nation and it has money and it can attract very, very talented people to move to Germany. So your argument of how Real Madrid attract people and how certain teams struggle, that applies yeah. for so many nations. Let's look at the English football team and how the English football team is full of lovely young people that look like me. No, 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 Carl, keep it with Germany. Keep it with Germany so I can destroy your argument. You say Germany use their money to attract players from different nations. Carry on, carry on. So, so stay with stick with Germany. Talent pool. The United States will always have a talent pool. Like international football, the methods of getting international football to be good are very much similar to the methods that you make a good club football team. You have a massive talent pool, you have a massive amount of money, and you go and create yourself a talent system. And this was true in the 70s and the 60s and the, yes. and the 80s for Germany. Yes. Germany, no, again. What about Brazil then? Economic power. Brazil was an economic powerhouse of the oh, South America. Brazil were an economic power back in the 50s. Um, yes, they were. In the 60s. Oh, yes, and in, oh, do it. <laughs> um, yes, okay, they were. Danny, okay, no, Danny, help me out here. So Brazil was an economic powerhouse back in the 60s, 50s, and the 70s. Comparative to the rest of South America, yes, they were, undoubtedly. That would be my argument. If you compare it to different countries, I would say, yeah, they probably were. Why is Nigeria particularly good at the African Cup of Nations? Maybe it's because they're sat on massive reserves of oil, so therefore their players can play on grass every single week. That's maybe true to an extent, but at the end of the day, it's still a talent-based thing. And you can't compare what you can do in club football to what you can do internationally. In club football, Real Madrid can pretty much attract any player they want, so hence why Real Madrid can build a super team. Look at Clairefontaine. Look at Clairefontaine. Look at Ajax's system. Look at La Masea. You can do this. You absolutely can do this on a national level. Look at Clairefontaine. Look at what France did. France went, right, we need to get good at football. Let's create a footballing academy where all the best kids in France will come and play. Let's spend loads of money on doing this. And let's create a French system of football. And let's go out and do it. Look at what Spain did, right? We need to create a Spanish form of football. Let's see what we've got right now with our current academies. Let's adopt that system. Let's spend loads of money. Let's get loads of coaches. Let's look at what Iceland have done with the Euros. Iceland went, let's get good at football. Let's get men in this country to get UEFA coaching badges. Let's get them all out. Now we've got thousands of people. They've got, what, one football coach per every, what, 100? 30 people in Iceland. So therefore, if you are a talented person in the nation of Iceland football, you will find a football coach. You absolutely can do this on a national scale. Completely you can do it. All you need is enough money and a big enough talent pool. And it's no wonder that very often these World Cups are won by some of the most economically prosperous nations in the world. You want a fact? Japan has a 100-year plan to win the World Cup that they put into power. Can you explain America then, Carl? If you want to talk about economic powers, then America mm. has been the world's greatest economic power since 1790s, 1800s. And when did, when did the World Cup start? The first World Cup was in, what, the 30s? Something like that? 1930. Right. So how come they haven't won it if they've had the economic prosperity and one of the largest talent pools, which is diverse as well? America hasn't won the World Cup yet is because they haven't been trying to other than you know they've only been trying to win the World Cup for 20 years that's that's probably not true 
give me a bit of time. Let me let me let me make this argument. If you really want to look at what was America's big coming out party to the world of football, in terms of we have money, we're going to create a coaching system, we're going to take this sport seriously and devote enough money to make this an, uh, 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 a worthwhile hobby for nine-year-olds. It was only really in the last ten years that America started taking football seriously. I mean, seriously, on top of these guys want to be a world power. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think club football parallel, one of the most pivotal things that ever happened in Chelsea's development wasn't the fact they got money, but was the fact that they bought Drogba. So I think what was very interesting was when Lukaku first was 16 years of age and he was at Stamford Bridge and he goes, this is my dream. It's my dream to play at Stamford Bridge. Once you manage to get eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds, 10-year-olds to start having a dream of playing your sport at your club, then you can start going, right, now we're going to win a World Cup. Like, it's guaranteed when the next great player from Argentina is born, he will end up playing for Manchester City. There's a 10-year-old right now from Argentina, and he's going to be absolutely fantastic. And he will play for Manchester City by the time he's 24 because Aguero played for Manchester City, Zabaleta played for Manchester City, Tevez played for Manchester City. If you're an Argentinian and you're a kid right now, what you have on your wall is a poster of Manchester City. And it's that sort of shift. So this is why America will win the World Cup soon, because the shift will be not from an American kid having a poster of LeBron James or a poster of Wayne Grensky. It's having the poster eventually of someone like Dempsey. Carl, that is a great idea in principle. But I, kids around, they don't have Clint Dempsey on their wall. I mean, come on. Also, not yet. But they will. They will be like, what's his name? Christian Pusilic from uh, Dortmund. If indeed that is the case, right? And, and you think that America started this in, what, what, what did you say, 2014? I would argue that it happened 20 years earlier in 1994 when America got the first World Cup or Bingo. their first World Cup. Bingo. Bingo. And Bingo. if 94 for me, um, you, you can say uh, 2014, I'll say 94, um, just because that's what I think is, is, the, is a more legitimate number. Explain why Klinsman is having to go to Germany to outsource American talent. Um, there is a war tactic where if you want to improve the quality of your Navy or your army, you essentially go out and you hire best army or Navy. Um, okay. So one interesting thing that happened right before uh, the start of second world war. So the second world war, when Japan comes in, everyone assumed Japan would be quite bad at the second world war. Uh, and then Japan comes around, did Pearl Harbor and it was like, Oh my God, why are you so good? Why is your Navy so really, really, really competent? The reason was this was because, Around about 1912, just before the First World War, Japan went, right, we want to rule the fucking Pacific. How do we do this? Who has the best navy in the world? America. Right. Let's go over to America. Let's send some of our top generals over there. Let's learn everything from their schools. And Americans like, well, give me loads of money. Yes, we'll teach you. 30 years later, oh, no, look, Japan's navy is really, really, really good. Do you know what's happening in Russia right now? Russia's got quite a bit of money. Uh, and Russia now wants to show the fact that their middle class is very prosperous. So they go, right, what do rich people like to eat? Steak. Paid a lot of people in the United States, a lot of cattle farmers, a lot of money to go over to Russia and show Russian farmers how to grow beef. Uh, so in like 20, 30 years, some of the best steaks in the world will probably be Russian. So that's why Klingsman is right now going off to Germany because he's like, right, where can I find the best teenagers right now? to play football. Who just won the World Cup? Oh, Germany. Maybe if I go off to Germany, get a whole bunch of German coaches, bring them back to the United States, and they show me their techniques, 
we'll be able to create a lovely generation of fantastic American footballers. And lo and behold, play this podcast in uh, 2013, 46, and America will probably win the World Cup. Isn't the easier answer instead of going into, you know, World War II, which is a great example uh, in terms of, you know, didactic structure. But isn't the easier answer that America just doesn't have the talent and that it would be easier to go get Fabian Johnson, Jermaine Jones, and go or John Brooks, whomever, and it's easier just to get them because their father or their grandfather was uh, an American citizen. It's just easier to get them to play. And it doesn't really have anything America, to do with... Say America doesn't have the talent yet. There's 300 million people here. The talent's here. It's the willingness. There's 300 million people and they're playing basketball and they're playing baseball and they're playing that's hockey why, and they're that's, playing... That's why the sport will never catch on. It's because there's so many other outlets. It takes that tactical shift. It takes that moment from a kid putting up a poster of Real Madrid on the wall to putting a poster of Chelsea on the wall. No, no, but, wait, but, but, you understand? Me, but my quick, quick point is this is that why football is probably at its most popular that it's ever been. If it hasn't caught on now in America, when will it ever catch on? That's my visa. What's going to change in 20, 30 years? Because I said, football is at its most popular, both branding-wise and just general popularity in the world. The World Cup is the most popular sporting event in the world. The World Cup final is the most watched sporting event in the world. So if it hasn't caught on to Americans in schools right now, why, when will it ever catch, catch on? What's, why would it be? Because, because NBA is still going to increase. The NFL is still going to be big. Like NBA is linked into hip-hop and contemporary stuff. So the NBA is always going to be, be popular. So I do not see an American kid, or I will still say nine out of ten American kids will choose the NBA or the NFL or are playing for, for football in America. And I do not see it so right. how, why that will switch. Right. Okay. Answer that question. NFL ratings are down. Parents are increasingly reluctant to let their kids play American football because of the concussion stuff and the other general disgustingness. Uh, there's a very good argument to be made that American football will probably not be a big sport in America within the next hundred years. But there's that. Baseball is already dying as a sport because not many people enjoy watching on television. It can be quite dry. So that's one thing. Basketball is always going to be big. But to be good at basketball, you kind of have to have some certain like height parameters. So there's that. And there's also this thing. America's population is dramatically shifting to a minority population. And what do we know about minorities right now? To be fair, there's more people of color on the planet than there are white people. So you don't have to call them minorities. You can just say there are Hispanic people who are coming into America that have football in their blood and that they're more likely to play once the demographics change or baseball. You have Baseball's to... Going on the way out. Baseball is on the way out for white people. What you said is what can change to make Americans into football? And all you really need is one really shit hot football player to play for America. That's all you really need to make the start. And that will be, yes, in theory, it's like bottle lightning, but all you really need is, so this is why Christian Pusinich from uh, Dortmund is very, very interesting. If that he's kid not the turns guy. out- he's, he, he's not the guy. No, Trust me. <laughs> he ain't the guy. <laughs> He and the guys. He could turn out to be a fantastic player, but he's not going to get kids to start playing football. It's How'd not going to happen. I know this. I live here, and I know like it's that's it's not going to happen. If this kid wins a Champions League, you're going to tell me he's not going to be the guy. There's no incentive structure for kids who are five, ten. There's no incentive for you to play football. There, there would have to be, like you said, a huge culture shift in order for the likes of. You know, American football, basketball, baseball, 
and even hockey to some extent to overtake football. Um, no, 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 no. But let me wait. Let me just very briefly, like, because I watch a lot of American talk shows, like what's it called, ESPN First Take Undisputed, and whenever they talk about football, which they call soccer, you could you could actually see the disconnect that they have with the sport. It's always it's almost as if it's this foreign thing that they have to talk about, and they just talk about it on very much on face value, which is why. It's not only a player winning a Champions League. It's which is what you said. There has to be a major culture shift. Do you know that more than any one player, I think the biggest factor that you've seen as far as the kids that I see is video games, is playing FIFA with your friends. That in and of itself is a spark of a, a, of a culture change in a certain extent. But I don't think a one player is going to create this kind of enthusiasm or this passion to go play football. I don't think that's going to happen when you have so many other outlets that are rewarded in the society more than being a footballer. It's, it's, I think one player is part of a great whole. And I think because America, I think it's hard to say when America hasn't had that player yet. Mm. I think it's incredibly hard to say, but one player can't make this change when America hasn't had that player yet. And we know how America likes to make a sporting hero. It's true. Yeah. So... I'm not saying once you get the, the player, that's it. That's everything you need. I'm saying once that player comes and does the thing, you shut the rocket to that kid. You can create the cultural shift you need. Yes, you need the culture shift. But, buddy, it's already beginning and it will happen within the next 50 years, guaranteed. I'm very aware of the fact within my lifetime, America will win the World Cup. And it's very likely they'll do it before England do again. And that's another hot take for you. Sizzling. What was our original point? How did we get on this? I, I have no idea. About, I think, wasn't it about Cristiano and Messi? I remember Messi. trying to moderate Cristiano Messi. Yeah. So, anyway, what what time is it where you guys are? Yeah, man, it's like way past, man. I need to eat. It's seven o'clock here. Um. So yeah, this is the Talking Tactics podcast. Oh, Carl, uh, where can the people find you? Yep. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm Anchorman616. That is Anchor, A-N-K-A, man. Uh, I talk about all these things and more. I'm sorry for being so loud and talking over everyone, but I really oh, no, enjoyed no. this. It's been a pleasure, boys. Talk to Texas podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave your five-star ratings. We're reading them on the show. Uh, follow on SoundCloud. All the other ancillary links. You guys know where to find them. Talk to Texas podcast once again. Sometimes funny, sometimes serious. Yes, always football. Indeed. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.